Mr. Elmore, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? You said I'll stumble, I'll bumble like a cracker bag humble. Send it on the ground, flat Welcome to the rumble. We are back and better than ever. Helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punch, so we're here each and every week. Helping you keep your guard up. I am the mouth of the South, Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting. I'm at Claims Coach on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, alongside of me, as always, is Mr. Brent Hooper of Max Claim Solutions of Baltimore, Maryland. We just call him the beast of the East and the ever-loving, lovely, pro- uh, precociously pragmatic, audaciously ostentatious, and the love of my life, the one and only Baby Cakes, Miss Lavelle. Hey, everybody. How's it going? No, I have never used that. I have never heard that arrangement of words in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I I don't think I've recycled them. something. I didn't say cautiously. Oh, just charismatic? Ostentatiously. Yeah, what episode are you listening to? I don't know. I said the precociously pragmatic. Okay, that's just sounded. And the audaciously ostentatious. Oh, okay. So... (laughs) Okay. Which just means audaciously ostentatious. I have just, to look these up after we just means you're bold about being. So smart. I know whether or not you insulted me. <laughs> <laughs> I did not insult you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I did say sagaciously salacious once, yeah. I think, or whatever. So, um, but yeah, hey, welcome to the show. Um, it is a fine Sunday afternoon, which basically means that Anything Donna goes. It means that anything goes. We've okay. Been, been forgiven for whatever. Yeah, too. Okay. So yeah, we're. I mean, so it's it's the first time we've done the show with a clean slate mm-hmm. for all you got all you Catholics. Yeah, we went to confession. Went to confession. Now it's a free for all. I love the Catholic religion because you can do whatever you want as long as you tell somebody. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Um, little homage there to Robin Williams. He told that joke. So, <laughs> so what's going on in the world, Donna? Um, people have died. <gasps> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Yeah, we celebrated that last weekend, Brent. Catch up. Yeah. <laughs> so, the deaths are Laura Forster. <laughs> that just hit him. <laughs> have you guys ever heard of the Sex Pistols? Yes, I have. Have you heard of Johnny Rock? Yes. Yes. His wife of 50 years has just died. Oh. Really? Johnny Rotten's wife died. Yeah, huh? she was the only one keeping him uh, a nice person. <laughs> Really? <laughs> so now there's no. I actually have a claim story about the Sex Pistols. Believe it or not. Uh oh. Let me get through these deaths real quick, and you okay. can tell me that. Um, there is Bob Lee, the founder of Cash App. He was murdered. I, I yeah. think he owed somebody money, maybe. Um, last. <laughs> well, basis for ABBA. <laughs> um, he has passed to the other plane. Um, Michael Lerner. He's an actor. Um, look him up. You will recognize him from Eight Men Out. Harlem Knights and Barton Fink. Okay, tell me this Sex Pistols thing. Well, I mean, you you know the story. Do I? Um, it's been several years ago, but a public adjuster actually called me in to go scope a loss at a venue called the Longhorn Ballroom oh. right here in Dallas, Texas. And what is interesting about said Longhorn Ballroom, while it has had it has had its day of many acts that have passed through just about every major country star that you could think of that ever came to Dallas would play the Longhorn Ballroom. Well, the Sex Pistols played the Longhorn Ballroom. And as I understand it now, 
the, the owner told me this. So liar, all liar, of you Sex Pistol fans fire. out there that that know all of the history, this is what I was told. OK, so I am not proclaiming this as the absolute truth, but it is the stage that they last played on as a band is at the Longhorn Ballroom. Nice. They reopened. Well, my, that. Yeah, I, I, I knew that. Google fact check that one. <laughs> You might have to do that, but yeah, supposedly the last place they played, as I was told it, was the Longhorn Ballroom in Dallas, Texas, and I worked Longhorn Ballroom lost there. What's that? Shout out to the Longhorn. Shout shout out to the Longhorn Ballroom for still being around. Moment of silence for uh, Johnny Rotten's wife. Moment of silence for Johnny. All right, that's enough of that. So, what are we talking about today? Well, I mean, we're going to go into um, kind of our second week of policy interpretation. We're going to dig in a little bit deeper on some some of the different languages and kind of how the policy is laid out. Um, you know, we'll we'll get into that. Uh, the different sections of the policy is what we're going to go to. And I just want you to know that we're going to discuss it as always, mm-hmm. in three 15-minute rounds. And when you hear this sound, you know that the round has begun. And when you hear this sound, the round is over. Now, just to be clear, anything that you hear that is cool or humorous, it is not Brent or I, most likely. It is Donna over there tweaking and... Twisting and tweaking. Twisting and tweaking. Almost <laughs> tweaking and twerking, but she's not twerking. But uh, it's Nobody Donna over there twisting and tweaking. Uh, you know, Brent and I aren't really arguing. This is not a debate, though we may have a difference of opinion from time to time. It is really commentary about how we've handled claims in the past. So, guys, if you have any questions or comments, we always want you to leave those below. Can and I while- remind everybody of something? Sure. Go ahead. We're talking about policy because you asked for it. So, well, I mean, yeah, we, we did a survey and yes. the survey came back that policy was the thing that people wanted to know. a lot. That's about. why we're talking about this. So and that's why we're talking about it. So. Yes. So listen to the show. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, but we do. We do welcome your questions and comments throughout the show. So we're going to go ahead and get started because round one starts right after this. One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 515-783-1434. That's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com. Round one, the insuring agreement. So the insuring agreement is uh, funny that my run sheet does not say that, but that is what round one was supposed to be, was the insuring agreement. I I think we just had a miscommunication (laughs) and that's probably on me. But the insuring agreement is basically, first of all, I I really just kind of want to say this. The policy is, you know, we can talk about all the different ways that it's broken up and, uh, you know, and how it's laid out. And it has this section and that section. And it talks about this and it talks about this. But by and large, I believe Scott Hunziker said it best when he said a policy is one 
one paragraph of a promise and 86 pages of excuses of why we're not going to keep it. And that's basically what a policy is. I kind of loved that assessment of it. But we're going to get into the insuring agreement. The insuring agreement is really quite simple. They're going to take that moment and they're going to tell you exactly what they're going to cover. And if you're looking at a uh, HO3 policy, um, and what we're lo- what we're working with here is just a general HO3 policy is what we are. And I am going to read the insuring agreement as it follows in its entirety. We will provide the insurance described in this policy in return for premium and compliance with all applicable provisions of this policy. I used the word paragraph, Brent. I guess I should have used the word sentence. <laughs> it is one sentence of a promise. <laughs> and then Donna, I mean, I know that you're, can you, can you see how many pages of this policy? It's uh, it is 20, 22 pages, one this sentence is- of, of promise <laughs> and 27, 28 pages of why we're not going to keep it. So, uh. And and basically, that's exactly how it's laid out. And guys, if you want to know which policy that we're looking at so that you can follow along at home, we're going to have a link to that that is going to link you to the Adobe site and it's going to have a PDF viewer so you can look at all of this kind of stuff as we're looking at it. Um, and the primary things that I'm kind of wanting to get into. It's just a it's just a boilerplate. It's just a boilerplate HO3. That's all it is. It is not from any given state. It comes straight from ISO. That is where I downloaded it, which is the organization that provides the policies. And then once they get into the hands of the carrier, the carrier will add endorsements. It will change language. But it's the very kind of boilerplate on which all of it is sort of built. Um, and and that's the document that we're looking at. Um but yeah, so the insuring agreement is essentially that. And then after it goes into the agreement, um, it, it's going to define some things. That's where you're going to get your definitions. Um, oh, I want to add that there's a lot of carriers out there that don't use the HO3. There's tons and tons of them out there. They can use an all perils policy. They can call it whatever they want to call it. The most important thing is, is they submit it to the state as an insuring document. And if the state approves it, then they're good to go. So remind me what an all perils policy is. An all perils policy is, is if we don't exclude it, we cover it. That's the most simple way to put that. Brent, do you want to add anything to that at all? No, sir. So, and that's that's essentially that's essentially what you're looking at when you're looking at a policy. That is by and large what most of us as public adjusters are looking to. Uh, that's what we're building off of is off of this information here um, that you'll find in this HO3 policy. Again, this if you read this policy, memorize this policy, and know it forwards and backwards. That and four bucks at Starbucks will get you a cup of coffee. Okay, because you have to read the policy. Um, You have to read the policy uh, to know exactly what it says. And so and they'll all change. And so, um, Brent, for example, you sent something to me just the other day as it pertains to reading policies. You sent something to me the other day that was go ahead and tell them kind of what the clause was. You you were you were looking. It was it was a it's a well, let me it's an endorsement. And says this endorsement changes the policy please read it carefully 
And it says conditions applicable to windstorm or hail loss to exterior or roof surfacing. And so this this is an endorsement added to the policy that, that is specifically applies to the peril of wind or hail. And in this endorsement, it provides definitions for physical loss and what it is and what it isn't. It also defines the term repair. I've never seen this one before. I floated it by a couple attorneys. I floated it by a couple PAs. This, What's your definition for repair? Repair, in quotes, means to restore a portion of property less than the entire roof or exterior siding or any other component of exterior property to its functionality prior to the loss. I'm going to read that again. And Donna, maybe I, I'll scan this and send it over to you if you want to throw this in the um, in the you know, link so folks can see this and we can put it up in the, um, in the Facebook group. But again, repair, the definition is repair means to restore a portion of property less than the entire roof or exterior siding or any other component of exterior property to its functionality prior to this loss. Only exterior. On at, Exterior, there's so you ask a good question. What's interesting is, uh, well, there's a lot of interesting things, but it says to restore a portion of property, so less than the entire, and then they then they they narrow it to roof, but they use the article or exterior siding or any other component of the exterior property so again it's like they go from property super broad super general to roof or siding or and then they go back to property i mean it's um it's it's very interesting to its functionality like what's that it's like double talk yeah yeah it really is because the definition the definition of physical loss which immediately precedes this definition um is is very interesting as well so i don't i i don't i don't want to hijack the entire episode with this this endorsement but um aside from our um the 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 vote that we took the poll that we took um this endorsement had something to do with why we're doing this episode no um, you're just interesting stuff <clears throat> Yeah, it, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it is. It is one of the reasons that we did do this. It, that's what spurred on the question. And I know a lot of people have questions about policy, and so, and and when you have things like this, because literally, like the form that we were just talking about, it has decided of the twenty-seven pages that this policy is. What it has decided is to define eleven of those terms. Eleven. That's it. Oh, all of the well, language that's here, in here. Here's 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 something really interesting. So you this this boilerplate policy that we're looking at is 22 pages. The average sort of I guess page length, if you will, of a certified copy of a homeowner's policy that I see is usually between 55 and 70 pages. The reason I'm saying that is, A, 
the one that we're looking at is very short. But B, this endorsement is just buried in here. This is one page of 65. That yeah. is separate. It's separate from the actual policy, which I know endorsements was the third segment. But so I guess if there's like some some wisdom in here, it's simply that you need all the forms and endorsements. Like when you're going through the policy yeah, and you know, or, you know, you're, you're sizing up your loss and you're going through what is and what isn't, and you're going through the policy. So you, the policy says one thing, and then you've got this endorsement over here that says something else. Well, exactly. Because the, I mean, and that's where you see a lot of like Texas, like in a lot of Texas policies, there is there are a lot, a lot of carriers that have adopted what's called the Texas amendatory endorsement is what it is. So a lot of carriers have this across their policies. But most specifically, what that thing does is it helps exclude mold from an otherwise inclusive policy of mold coverage. OK, it allows yep. them to do that sort of thing. And it also allows them to probably charge. There's a lot of things that go through when that kind of legislation gets pushed through and again i'm not an attorney but when you see that texas mandatory endorsement show up in a lot of places it says we have changed our policy for this endorsement so literally the whole idea behind it is is sometimes you have to read that first before you dig into some of the nuts and bolts of the actual boilerplate policy because you want to know sort of what they've changed and you can change the language as it's going through because especially if this, if it says this replaces this paragraph. Generally, the reason that yes. they're pointing to a specific paragraph is because what comes before it matters and what comes, what comes after, after it matters. And so they're they're putting it in a place. Kind of like the Bible. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Context matters. Like that. So, Jeremy, to your point. Yeah, yeah. Context, context matters. Context is key. So, Jeremy, to your point, this endorsement. The, the the first verbiage of this says this endorsement modifies section one conditions in the policy form with respect to a covered loss to the exterior or roof surfacing of a dwelling or building that is covered under coverage A or B and is caused by the peril of windstorm or hail. So to your point, this one page changes that whole it modifies that whole portion of the policy it segments the dwelling whereas the dwelling is addressed in its entirety in that part of the policy in general it is now they have now segmented the dwelling and the coverage ain't the same yep as it as it pertains to the as it, again good good catch as it pertains to the dwelling and those two those two covered perils yeah so this doesn't have anything to do with Fire, fire, or water, or a tornado. What this has to do with is specifically a wind or hailstorm. And you know what's really interesting about this particular claim is that there was crazy hail. Maryland never. I I've never seen hail like this in Maryland. Um, Nothing happens till it does, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> there was also a tornado. So if we wanted to get real weird about this and dig into the minutia and all that, it begs the question of, is this even worth, as it pertains to the loss that I'm working on, does this, in, this endorsement 
does this any of this language even even apply? And does that there was a tornado as well? They may call that a windstorm, though. Because I, again, I, you know yeah, what I'm saying? But I, it could but it's yeah, an yeah, additional yeah. weather phenomenon that that has existed. It's an additional more unlikely peril because what they're trying to do, what it seems like they're trying to do is they're trying to exclude the common event of wind because windstorm can come. I mean, there's a lot of things that don't have to be there. You know, it's like you can have a windstorm and have no rain. You can have a windstorm and have absolutely no precipitation, no weather, no lightning. And a lot of these other things that come as a peril of a thunderstorm, they're just they're declassifying it down to a windstorm. And so if it declassifies down, you can't automatically be inclusive and classify back up. I don't know because they're saying the most simplest of wind is not covered. And so the most complicated of wind, which I would think is hurricane oh. tornado, a separate peril from windstorm. That would be my wow. question because it's cyclonic. You know what well, I mean? I, let me, I don't know. Let me clarify something. I think you misspoke. It's not that windstorm isn't covered. It's just subject to all this rigmarole wind oh, and right. hail oh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah 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 okay fair enough it's not that it's not covered it's that it's subject to these to these conditions and i mean if if i'm trying to be a desk adjuster or somebody who's trying to dig their heels in at the carrier i want to say tornado is wind bubba the <laughs> <laughs> mighty wind it ain't the yeah, rain I, that tore the shingles off yeah, us, you know? yeah tornado <laughs> is wind <laughs> well and so and is that going to come up? But you would then have to go back to the policy definitions to see, and it doesn't define it. So now therein lies a conversation to be had with the carrier of whether or not it classifies as wind, you know, and and it's but the thing is, is that the peril of a tornado comes with something that wind is when you think of wind. I also I, I don't think of a suction. I think of something that blows. I don't think. But I guess it could be anything. You know what I mean? The wind's coming from somewhere. Believe it, right? Suction, that's still wind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it's well, or is it? It depends it on where. It's a breeze. Way. Yeah, well, one way or the other, whether it's blowing or sucking, I guess there's still a breeze. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> it just depends on where the force is. <laughs> anyway, What's wrong with this one, I, I man. We have we have gone way off the rails on on. But that's the point is that when you're sitting here and you're interpreting policy, these definitions, this very conversation, if you don't know it, then it is incredibly difficult to move forward through the policy and understand what's going on. So that is why one of the that's why you want to go in and look at all of this stuff sort of at its whole. You know what I mean? And Brent, I'll let you tag that on because this is an endorsement that affected the the way the entire policy is read. As it pertains to this loss, yes. And so I know that you we had a little a little slip up at the, at the beginning, but in terms of starting with the insuring agreement, which by the way, I'm glad we did that because round 1 was supposed to be about like general exclusions. And it was. So to to dovetail this, to dovetail this, What's really interesting is the policy reads the way that the policy does. We cover this, we cover that, we cover this, we cover that. We don't pay for this, we don't pay for that. This one sheet of paper changes all of that. It does. And this one sheet of paper introduces exclusionary language into the policy that isn't readily available 
Like, if, so if you're just reading through, like, if you're reading through an incomplete copy of the policy and you don't read the, the, the conditions and the definitions set forth in this endorsement, you're, you're literally missing the boat. <laughs> and, and I, again, as it relates to general exclusions, well, it's interesting. Every policy has their general exclusions and this and that, and we'll pay for this and we're not going to pay for that. Never mind the fact that exclusionary language is often misinterpreted. You've got these endorsement curveballs that you got to keep your eyes open for as well. You do. And, and, you know, we didn't get as much into exclusions, but kind of the way the policy's laid out is it goes, this is what we'll do, you know, and by the way, these are some things that we're not going to do. But if you've made it all the way to this part is what (laughs) round two is all about. The conditions of if you've made it this far, now we're probably going to pay you some money. And since we're going to pay you some money, we're going to get into round two right after this. When choosing someone to help with your online marketing, make sure you go with someone that has years of experience. Our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage, and maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including free voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. If you already have these pages, she'll optimize them for you as well. Call or message Sally today. If you want to get started, you can reach her at 214-789-1651. Again, her name is Sally Brigance. Her number is 214-789-1651. And uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up. When you send her a referral that signs up with her, she'll credit your billing account. Logos are also available. Um, and she also offers a lead generation service in SEO, search engine optimization, where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of Google or your money back. It is spelled T-H-R-Y-B. And you can find my good friend Sally Brigance, and that's spelled S-A-L-L-I-E, Brigance, B-R-I-G-A-N-C-E. And she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651. Round two, conditions. So just to kind of keep that conversation going, I just wanted to get the clock going as we were about to bleed into conditions. Anyway, you've gone through all of these exclusions and the the boilerplate exclusions. And I just want to hit this real quick as we get into conditions. Do not let them weaponize an exclusion against you as a cause of loss that you're not claiming. Those are those exclusions aren't if it's present. It's if it's the primary cause of loss is why that that thing is excluded. So wear and tear. You cannot file a claim because your roof sold. That's not a claim worthy event. All roofs have wear and tear. Everything has wear and tear and you can't file a claim because it's old. Old is excluded as a cause of loss. 
that's what it is. And you'll see you'll see these exclusions weaponized. And what wear and tear is the one that I see the most. Is there something you want to jump in there with, Brent, on exclusions that you hate wrestling other than wear and tear? Um well, you already mentioned age, and that kind of comes with uh you know the ter- the territory of wear and tear. The other one is um condition. Um and and, and if anybody's listening. I completely understand if there's a part of you that's going like, yeah, no shit. And that's how we feel too. So the thing is, it's like, yeah, no, like no shit. It's older. No, you know, of course it has wear and tear or whatever. It has wear and tear starting the second that anything is ever installed, whether it's a roof shingle, a countertop, a gutter, a freaking shutter. It doesn't matter. It, it, it begins to wear and tear the day you take the plastic off of the product so but the thing is is that a lot of times right wrong or indifferent i find myself in these conversations especially on um interior losses where for some reason and it's never spoken it's never overt per se it's just that the carrier or the the adjuster doesn't want to pay for something because maybe something isn't well kept. And so that would, that that's the thing that, you know, I find myself in these conversations where, you know, the kitchen was never nice. (laughs) The kitchen has always been really dirty and worn and lived in. And sometimes I feel like adjusters get that confused with what they owe for. Did that make sense, Jeremy? It makes complete sense. It makes absolute complete sense. Um, And, and yeah, I'm going to tell you by and large, Brent, I mean, the, the most difficult, the most difficult claim to work is where, you know, that there is legitimate bona fide damage due to a covered peril. And and it's and it's and it's almost unquestionable, even by the carrier. But when you have a place that is in just general disrepair, disrepair, yeah, and that can be for a variety of reasons. Yeah, look, I I don't want to I don't want to judge. This is not to judge anybody. There's a nope. lot of people that are out there struggling with a lot of things. Is and and the last thing on their list is whether or not they're going to be able to put a new fresh coat of Thompson's water seal on their deck. Okay, there's just some other shit to pay for. And and there's there's a level of that that I understand. Do you know what I'm you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people out there trying to do what they can to keep their house up, but whether or not, you know, cleaning, you know, getting getting keeping that thing down. I just recently worked a dryer fire. Technically, technically it's considered a fire of negligence. It's because that there wasn't proper maintenance that was kept up. Probably the lint, the lint hose wasn't cleaned out, those sorts of things. And that's what ignited the fire, you know? And so the carrier is going to look at that as a fire due to negligence. Okay. Um, and, and whether or not somebody either has the wherewithal, the intelligence, who to call the, the funds to call somebody to do it right. All of these kinds of things, you know what I'm saying? It there's, Owning a house, there's a lot to it, and that's one of the things that the carrier really is going to um, 
get into into the condition situation. You know what I mean? And yep. this thing has coverage because it does cover your lack of knowledge, your ignorance, your negligence. It does cover those sorts of things. It will not cover your willful act. But just because I mean, I didn't know is a defense and under which they'll pay. Now they're going to charge more premium for you, but it is something that they will pay under. So it's when you get in. When when we start when we start digging into the what and the why and the how all of this kind of thing gets done, you have to you have to understand people are at different levels and a house in disrepair can be in that situation for a multitude of reasons. Now, I have been in houses where it just seemed like that they were capable of keeping it up and they just didn't. Or in situations <laughs> yeah. where maybe there was an infirmity or something like that that kept them from keeping their house in well-maintained order. You can be in situations where people deserve to have a roof put on because they have hail damage, but the rotten soffit won't let them install or the rotten, you know, the rotten shingle mold or wherever it is, the rotten decking, and the lo the loss becomes so much larger due to their negligence. But that's what the insurance carrier is covering. Is that they have they have to also pay access, but those are difficult. Those are different difficult losses to adjust. My most difficult loss, and I think I got lost there in, in the middle of that, but I came back around that those are hard to work. They're yeah. really, really difficult to work because, well, aside, well, and, and I, they're difficult to work on a lot of fronts, and and I think you'll. If, if you're reading between the lines with me on this, you, you understand where I'm coming from. It's They're difficult in the sense that the insurance company looks at it a certain way and the way, the lens, the, the lens through which they're, they're analyzing this, this is not what any of us want, so to speak. And the reasons almost don't matter. It's like, hey, this this place is in ill repair or whatever. But it doesn't negate what you owe for, you know. And so, as as a public adjuster, sometimes I feel like, and and you may or may not agree with me. Yeah. So like, I I kind of from a business sense, like I understand why a, a carrier adjuster might look at it token. Like I work for the policyholder, and and frankly, you guys too. And insofar as they're paying a freaking premium, and their policy was active during, you know, during or when this loss occurred, it's like I don't really know what were none of these other conditions of the house even matter. Like this is a covered loss. Right. And you have for reasonable repairs to be completed in a workmanlike manner. You sure. know, whether or not it was dirty, corroded, not taken care of, none of that shit really matters. So I just, yeah, those, I mean, and, and those are tricky. Those they are, are because if you've got a house that's a lot of fronts. Right. It's you got a house that's not taken care of. They've got a water heater in the in the attic where you'll you'll find them a lot in this area. They haven't taken care of the house. They haven't cleaned the house. They've got, you know, pet hair everywhere. Nothing against people with pets or whatever. They you, you can tell that the dog has chewed up the sofa and, it, you know, he doesn't necessarily go outside to use the restroom. Yes, I've been in those situations. There's 47 cats running around the place. And because the water heater was in just the right spot, they're just about going to get every room in this house remodeled, painted. They're going to get new floors in all the places. And you're going to end up remodeling almost this entire house when it was really, you know, it's just the way that the loss works. And 
And that's the way that insurance works. And I know as an independent adjuster, you kind of roll your eyes as you're writing this claim because they don't, you somehow in your head will try to start ascertaining whether or not they deserve this. And that is a yeah. bad, bad, bad road to go down. They paid a premium. They have coverage no matter how extensive the damage gets. As long as it is within the, the limits of liability, they're owed for the loss. And I have wrestled with it too. So just know that it's I know that your moral your moral compass is 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 kind of going off here that this just doesn't appear to be right. But this is not about right and wrong. This is about coverage that's been purchased. That's right. Hey, um, what are what, what what conditions round two? I feel like we went into almost a different iteration of conditions real quick, but a couple general conditions of the policy, you know, I'm a couple of that are coming to mind for me are duties after a loss, the appraisal clause, the loss settlement agreement, loss yes, payment. Yes, all of those are conditions. Thank um, you so much for getting us back just, on track there. Um this this freaking endorsement. Oh, by the way, uh not to beat this to death, but conditions are really important and you want to read them. Um but like this condition or Jesus, <laughs> this endorsement that that we talked about in round one also introduces a our option clause. So, what is and and I guess if there's I'm I'm kind of walking and chewing bubblegum here as it pertains to exclusionary language and all that stuff. And I know we're going to get into endorsements in round three, but. This particular endorsement on this type of loss or this uh, the, uh, wind and hailstorm, this endorsement introduces a right to repair option for the carrier. This endorsement changes the freaking policy insofar as there's a wind or hailstorm. So conditions, some general ones, your law settlement agreement, uh, right to repair calls, loss payment, duties after a loss. You got to read this stuff. You have to because it freaking it matters. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it completely can change the trajectory of a claim. A thousand percent. Right. And it, interestingly enough about about that one endorsement, I wonder how they would treat wind driven rain. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I I'm sitting here talking about having a complete policy. I have the renewal pack for this. This is a new claim that I, I just signed last week. I don't have the whole policy. So I I don't know because I don't have the rest of the policy to run these endorsements, all these forms and endorsements up against. Right, right, right. So, well, and I don't know if they're going to say wind driven rain is a part of windstorm, but it's still a separate peril because they'll be the first ones to say, oh, no, we didn't look at wind. <laughs> this was a hailstorm. Yeah. Or we didn't look at the hail damage. You you filed for wind, and it's like, look, man, the, the, what we filed for was an occurrence that occurred on a date of loss. Is what we had, and you wanted to know what the primary causation of loss was. Well, it was that storm. So, however you want to classify it, it was all the noise that was being made at eight thirty on Friday night. That's the one we're talking about. So, you pick your peril, Bubba. Whatever one you think is most relevant to you guys and your bookkeeping methods over there. I'm happy for you to pick whichever one. But we had a little bit of wind. We had some rain that came in, which is water, you know, and it wasn't necessarily driven by wind. I don't know how it got in. It, you know, it's like 
water do- water goes where water wants to go. So yeah. you and, know it's and on this particular property, yes, we have we have five ring cameras and they were all broken by the hail. So <laughs> what direction <laughs> do you want to go? Yeah, right. I mean, however you want to look at this thing, and and I realize that you just talking about what is the peril that you're speaking of when you say windstorm. It's interesting that they'll go in and they will define all of these different things that pertain to what it is, but they're not really wanting to define exactly what it is they cover and what they don't cover and how they do it. And that's where I'm saying it's like you went to all of this care to be specific on what your options are and all of the like of that and whether or not we're going to even extend coverage on these kinds of things or not coverage. What was the endorsement is basically it's not whether or not it extends coverage. It's whether or not it will. It's it's not it's not so much whether or not it's covered. It's how they're going to cover it. Oh, OK. Yeah, it's how they're yeah. going to cover it. You know? And so and and they change. Well, I mean, back to what kind of what, what I'm saying here, but they don't want to actually cover what the peril is. They don't want to define what the peril is. They're going to define all of the ways that they're going to cover it. They're going to put all of their options in on whether they're going to repair or replace, which doesn't get them out of indemnity. It just is so long as indemnity is about is, a, you know, can be achieved through a repair, then a repair is an option. Absolutely. And I don't and I think it I think that clause is dumb. Well, dude, this this clause clause, basically means we don't have to indemnify you for it. We can just repair it. Look, what it's saying under the law settlement provision of this endorsement. I'll read this to you. And I hate doing this based on the fact that you really do need to. You've got to absorb these things as a whole. Right, right. Like, and and you said it best earlier. What came before and what comes after is just as important as what the freak you're looking at in the middle, right? So, but I, I, let me read this to you because this is interesting. In the event of a quote repair, the above provisions do not require or guarantee a match of roofing or siding materials. The quote repair is intended to return the damaged property to pre-loss condition without regard to cosmetic appearance. Materials used to make the quote repair may vary in color, shading, dimensions, pattern, and composition. So, when you say... Insofar as we can indemnify the policyholder with a repair, how in the hell do you achieve indemnity with that? Well, I guess that's what they're saying is they're excluding the indemnity out of it. But it did also say, (laughs) did it not say pre-loss condition? It did. Pre-loss condition without regard to cosmetic appearance, period. Materials used to make the, quote, repair may vary in color, shading, dimensions, pattern, and composition. And composition. So, yeah, yeah, it's like we'll use like kind and quality except for where we can't. And when we can't, we can go lesser. Right. So we're going to go ahead up air with some duct tape and, and Elmer's glue because the policy says we can, sort of. Right. Right. It's tricky stuff. Yep. And 
again, it, it that that particular endorsement, there's a lot of endorsements that kind of stand on their own. But this one actually replaces a piece of the policy. And those are the ones that you really want to take a look at. But the conditions in in everything that in everything that you look at in the conditions, guys, I mean, yes, there are things that Brent brought up. There's the the duties after the loss, the information that the proof of loss has to have if you're submitting one or and by I would I would say this is this is the documentation every claim would need. Do you know what I mean? And so and there is there is no cutting that corner. This is the documentation that needs if you want to sue them. All of these things. And I guarantee you, if all of these conditions aren't met and there's something that you want to go and they're wrong, it won't matter. And that's the that's the most important thing that I can tell you is no matter how right you are, no matter how much breach they're in, if you have not fulfilled the conditions, it won't matter. You're both in breach at that point in time. So conditions, super important. And I will just say this before we get into round three. Everything matters here because insurance policies are really designed to be centered around an occurrence. Okay. And so we can think of all of these different anecdotes or different situational and try to get different situational understanding. Well, what if this happens and then this happens and, and look, any of that is possible. Any, any combination of anything, you can stack this burger however you want to. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to look at the situations and the perils and how they came about and the damage that they've done in this situation and then apply the policy to it. And look, if this endorsement's in there, it's going to be real tough to get an indemnifying, an indemnifying um, outcome after, you know, after all is said and done because they did not buy an indemnifying policy, apparently. Now, I think that there are ways I could argue around it and that's yep. a completely different show and yep. maybe we'll bring this back and figure out how we're going to do it or case study the one that this is on specifically but guys you, you at the end of the day this is what they've agreed to yep hey you know what can, can i can i throw something in before we go to round three sure when policyholders or con as, as a public adjuster when policyholders or contractors or whatever other people that are not public adjusters. This is why, and we did an episode on this, like expectation setting and stuff like that. Yeah. This is, this is that gorilla behind the curtain that no one knows about. No one, no one, no yeah, one. When you're setting expectations, you're not, yeah, aware it's, it's, it's like, in there. yeah, look, everybody's going to want, need and desire a silver bullet and expect you to know everything and this and that. And I'm, I'm, I'm the guy saying it's impossible unless you have all the details in front of you, it's impossible. And so take that for whatever it's worth. And I would just dovetail on, I would just dovetail onto this real quick before we get into round, you know, round three, is it, there is a really good reason carriers have to provide 60 days or 90 days in some states to provide the proof of loss. Now, if you're not in a proof of loss state, disregard what I'm saying here. But I and when I look at that 60 days, I understand now why it takes so long to get all of that information together, because you need time to review the policy, figure out what the coverages are, go get the documentation and what is really required to prove this loss can take up to 60 days. I can certainly see that as it pertains to getting quotes and estimates and and you know yeah you even know what if they agree with your repair method you know what i'm saying so um 
that's that's it's it's super important to that. But we'll get into uh, you know more endorsements because round three starts right after this. The Pain of the Claim is looking for sponsors, and we would love to promote a business that provides services or equipment to public adjusters, restoration companies, and roofing contractors and general contractors. Examples would be like safety gear, roofing-related products, restoration equipment, payment services, CRMs, reporting services, expert services, anything like that. We want to help you tell your story and get you together with the people that really need your help. So give us a call. We can we can get your name out there and we can grow with you. Round three, endorsements. Where well, do you want to start? I, well, I mean, <laughs> look, there's I you know, basically what I want to there are there are there are certain endorsements that are kind of common everywhere you go so you've got like ordinance in law that's a very common endorsement i want to talk about this in respect but i'll give you the list of other ones you often see the mold endorsement um if if there's if mold is going to be covered it is usually addressed through endorsement um you've got this matching endorsement sometimes you'll see a matching endorsement come in that people are actually charged premium for um, and then you've got these exclusionary endorsements, endorsements that take away from stuff where they're where the policy might have ordinarily provided for it, but they're going to redefine how it's going to be covered and what the what the repair process and what kind of coverage you bought. Yep. Because more than likely, like the endorsement that we've been discussing the entire episode, more than likely there was going to have to be a reduction in premium. It's like this is the endorsement. Here's your new premium. And because they're not fully covering the roof in this situation or they're they're redefining how it will be covered. Yeah. Um, another couple of them endorsements that come to mind for me are like extended replacement cost. Um, not you mentioned the match endorsement, but uh, on the I guess on the flip side or oppositely you you have those roof surface endorsements with sort of like a how would you describe that um it's like a pre predetermined uh not a depreciation schedule but it kind of is you know it's like well they age the roof generally right 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 basically yeah they age the roof and and then now you're seeing those things basically if they get up over 15 years the roof's just is it, going to be settled straight up at ACV or it may not even I I know people that are getting letters in the mail basically to get their roof replaced or they're going to drop their insurance I literally it's funny you say that in the last we'll say four weeks I've had probably three or four conversations with either prior clients or um, just like friends of mine that have gotten letters. That's basically like, Hey, you you need to replace your shit or we're not renewing. Super interesting. I could get into the story. If everybody wants me to get into the story, you know about it, Brent. I had a client just, I, we just signed a client um, that she got that letter in the mail. Oh yeah. That's entertaining. Share that. Um, well, it's not, it's not really endorsements, but, um, I think, yeah, it's not endorsements. (laughs) What it has to do with, it has to do with the age of a roof. It's completely centered around the age of a roof. And I, this is a a previous client of mine. I've worked two losses for this individual, both losses. the, The previous losses were overlapping. One was due to the freeze of 2021. And the other one was due to a failed, um, condensation pan in the attic. 
And so while they were completely unrelated, they were overlapping and I had to go in and work both of those losses for these people. And we won by and large, we had a great experience with the entire thing. Well, the carrier out of the blue, probably due to her roof age, basically said, if you don't replace your roof, we're going to drop you. And so she's got two claims in her claim history. Okay. She's got two claims in her claim history. And they said, if you don't replace your roof, we're going to drop you. Well, this particular carrier has some rather strict rules on, on, um, you know, claim history and whether or not they'll renew you and stuff like that. The carrier is going to remain nameless, but I will tell you that I see a lot of carriers doing this. And basically the reason they sent her the letter was based on her roof age at the time that they took insurance out years and years and years ago. They just didn't want to cover the roof anymore. This particular roof is a polymer roof. Okay. And I am not a roofer. I don't pretend to be a roofer, but it's basically one of those rubberized kind of plastic, see my air quotes, supposedly hail proof shingles. And it's an expensive roof. She had a quote from a, so she calls out her roofer to get a quote based on this. Roofer tells her it's going to be $225,000, $250,000 to replace this roof. That sounds right to me. It's a 7,000 square foot home. It is a big, great, big, it's a $2 million home in a very nice part of Dallas. Okay. And so she, the roofer says that, but by the way, I think you might have some hail damage on this roof. And so being the good roofer that he is, says he's got hail damage. She immediately calls me and says, I think I might have an insurance claim. So I sent Andrew. No, you can't have his number. <laughs> I sent Andrew over there and, and the carrier opens up coverage to repair the roof. Now, in order for her to keep her insurance, she wasn't allowed to repair the roof. She had to replace the roof, but they would say that we're only going to repair the roof. They open up coverage to repair the roof. Now it's a claim. Now it's something that has been brought back to my desk and we're going to see how this whole thing turns out. But by and large, they've already told me that they that the, they don't believe that the roof is repairable. Yep. There's no maintenance that can be done to this roof that is going to make it insurable. So why would you recommend something that would leave them in an, in, an uninsurable state? So, um, this you're is gonna, you're going to have fun with that one. That's going to be a very now. Here's the downside is more than likely if they do pay this claim, they're going to drop her anyway, because that's going to be the third claim in in as many years. And they're not they're going to non renew her or they may drop her anyway. But and the hard thing is, is getting insurance these days when you have a claim history like this is going to be a challenge for her. So before and she's already filed the claim, she'd filed the claim prior to talking to me because I told her. I told her, I said, I would secure new insurance before you did that. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, this is where we are now. And um, I am seeing insurance do this, especially when it comes to roof age. And if you don't have a roof on there or it's too old of a roof, that's what they're trying to do is get you on a policy where they can amend it to put this very schedule that Brent is talking about it on. And they're going to depreciate it. They're going to determine what the lifespan of the roof is, and they're going to depreciate it by year. And that's how that's going to work. And everybody is moving to this policy because, like I said, so many claims in Texas, they're trying to change how roofs get covered. And it is going to be less coverage, not more. I guarantee you. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. Yeah. No, without a doubt. 
it's it's that's a really interesting scenario um for our endorsements round i wrote down weaponizing endorsements and what i i I stole your verbiage but what i had in mind was how some of these endorsements that are designed to actually increase or supplement coverage end up well the carriers end up trying to utilize it to cap coverage they do that's Um, often what they'll do yes and it can get it can get a little bit and i know you run into this too it can get a little bit hairy sometimes because of the the ambiguity of some of the language of these endorsements the one that's coming to mind is either a the like a mold mold endorsement or coverage endorsement b o and l or c um the roofing and siding restoration endorsement which is just a it's a match endorsement for roofing and siding i like these things are purchased additional premium dollars are paid but i see it a lot where <laughs> somehow or another the carrier contorts the presence of this endorsement to actually negatively affect the homeowner right you know That's, what i mean like yeah. it's it's not how weaponizing yeah it's <laughs> not how it's supposed to work but this this stuff comes up and it and it it makes you it makes you do a backflip as a public adjuster because you're you're sitting at your desk going what in the hell is going on and it's such a contorted interpretation well, of the I policy. Love, I, well, it is, but you also have a lot of times you'll have the contractors under under you know telling absolutely telling the truth and looking at something. It's like look, we've got to repair this roof. What would repair this roof? Of uh, you know, this shingle is not available anymore. So it's a discontinued shingle or it's an obsolete shingle, whether it's a composition, you know, a composition shingle or uh, a roof tile or whatever. Either way, it is discontinued and no longer there. And that has been used as a weapon often to get a full roof replacement where yeah. the damage didn't necessarily warrant it, but you couldn't make the repair because it. And so the carriers wrote this thing. So don't be careful about why you want to replace a roof because we want coverage to be there. And it, and if you're going and trying to get coverage extended by holding them over a barrel is usually a pretty bad strategy. Now it's nice when you have the extra thing behind it, if you want to add the fact, Oh, and by the way, the shingles unavailable, but it also can't be repaired. Yeah. It also can't be this. It's an unrepairable roof, which doesn't trigger that $10,000 endorsement that you were talking about. Geographically speaking, and and there was a place in time where, you know, I guess the the word matching was somewhat of a silver bullet, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. or, or a discontinued shingle or siding material was a silver bullet yeah, yeah you know what i mean silver bullet yeah it really was absolutely and, and, and it's just not anymore no no and the policies have changed and the policies of you know some of them specifically detail that they don't care about that um, well, that's just a good example of them moving the goalposts and not yes. anybody that's yeah. that's that's all that is and it's like and they're going to 